Welcome, friends, to the most elaborate crossover event in many days. This is Kirk Henderson of the Mavs Moneyball After Dark podcast. I'm joined by my dear friend, Harrison Fagan, of the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. How are you, Harrison? You know, Kirk, I'm doing well. I think I'm trying to recover from the fact that there appears to be a league conspiracy to rig the Mavs to uh, beat the Lakers. And, you know, it's just like, <laughs> you know, now I, I feel bad for Kings fans now for laughing at their conspiracy theories for all these years. Because it's like when you're on the other end of it and, you know, the league is clearly trying to get Luca out of the playing spot after him and Mark Cuban complained. Like, you know, it's just uh, it, it's it's sad state of affairs. It's clearly rigged for money um or ratings i'm not sure which uh just to channel my inner aisha curry but no i'm i'm good how are you i'm i'm all right that game was a a a like fast moving rock fight i i enjoyed it <laughs> i hate like it was the game it's the kind of game where the fan in me goes through all sorts of emotions where by like four minutes into the game i wanted to trade kp again and I ended up having to delete a bunch of tweets. Um, but then they, you know, it just it, it went back and forth. You know, it it exposed. It, it's it's just the kind of game that that I would have uh, that I really would have expected if if Anthony Davis is only going to play eight, uh, you know, whatever his like 15, 16 minute limit. He came back, looked a little rough around the edges, got some got some nice touches, but they just didn't really go. And you know, the the game went back and forth on kind of a series of runs, mainly in the second half, put forth by by really Den- Dennis Schrader, who uh, I'm going to say this on the podcast. Schroeder, Schroeder, to... come on, Schroeder. Sorry, uh, Den- Dennis Schroeder, who who plays with the with the confidence of a pre World War German. I mean, that man just thinks he's the best player on the court at all times, and it is amazing to watch. It's, I love how arrogant he plays. It's one of my favorite things about this season is that like De- watching Dennis. You know, there's that viral tweet from a couple of years ago from Robbie Callan of like it's Jordan Clarkson time dash it's Jordan Clark uh, like Jordan Clarkson <laughs> as if he is the one saying that. Dennis Schroeder actually plays like that tweet like he mm-hmm. at all times thinks it is Dennis Schroeder time like I am expecting not even like in a parody way or like thinking this would be funny if it happens I'm fully expecting at some point during a playoff game this year for Dennis to look off of LeBron on a final possession and it to be a storyline for like three days but either between series or whatever and he was he was outstanding in a third quarter because the first half the doubt Mavericks kind of kept pushing kept pushing with and, and took a pretty good lead into halftime. It was, I think, ten or twelve points. And then in the third quarter, uh, an interesting start where the Lakers scored. I want to say eleven points in like sixty-five seconds. It was really pretty incredible. Um, the the game, and then at that point, Dennis just looked to go, and he and he and Luca went back and forth a little bit. Lots of jawing, like felt felt very you know i know we're going to talk about the playing tournament later but felt very like high school testy like gym it was great it was just for for a late april game i i enjoyed myself a lot more than i thought i was going to no, I feel similarly. So, like, I thought that the main appeal of this game was going to be, okay, let's see Anthony Davis get back out there. Like, let's see what mm-hmm. he looks like. As you mentioned, like, he had some good touches. Didn't His shots didn't fall. I think he shot, like, 
20% from the field or something like that. Right. And like, he was not good offensively, but he looked like he was moving really well. And so that was mm-hmm. promising, but no Lakers, fear. He was not playing with fear at all. Like no tentative steps. Yeah, no, he was falling all over the ground like normal. And so it was, uh, you know, it was great slash terrifying. And like, he, you know, he looked fine. The Lakers didn't really look good. I thought he mostly looked good defensively. Dallas really went on a run towards the end of that second quarter. But then you, like you mentioned, the Lakers just punched their way back in, in the third. And it was a shockingly entertaining game for what I expected it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I was my guy, Luca. And, and because this is going out to two audiences, uh, we, I'm going to couch this because I'm going to get screamed about this tomorrow. That was one of his more, uh, uh, gr- grumpy, whiny games. He gets a, a an earned reputation for talking all the time, but there was a lot of of what the the Hawks fans refer to as pink face Doncic, where he's just going <laughs> at the camera. Uh, and there was a lot of that that game, which is pretty preposterous because I feel like he had. I, I I did have the stats pulled up here. He, I mean, he shot eleven free throws. Like, what are what is he complaining about? Um, yeah, and the Mavs shot thirty six to the like the Lakers almost never get doubled up on free throws. And mm-hmm. like, look, I, I I was kidding about the league rigging it against them for the play in sure. or whatever earlier, but that was I think a big difference in this game. And like, I, I mean, again, Dallas was being really aggressive going to the basket. Like, I don't think that it was an entirely unearned advantage, and they also had more star power in this game. Yeah. But you're it is. It was hilarious to watch Luca act as though he was being wronged in this game that the whistle really was pretty tilted towards Dallas, I would say. Well, I mean, the, so the Lakers here committed 28 defensive fouls. Um, and, and my this is, this is going to come across as a criticism, but I don't mean it that way. Last year and this year, the Lakers are extremely physical. Yes. And, and – and it's just a game over time where they're going to, I think that there's just going to be games like this where the whistle goes that way. But by and large, it's a pretty good bet if you have good defenders, because the Lakers have a lot of good defenders where the physicality in the lane is going to go, you know, going to go nowhere. It was Luca kind of has been really solid this year operating at like 15 feet. And that's kind of that middle ground where if the refs are calling those sort of body bumps and he got a few of those KP did too, which was really surprising because he has been – that's the most free throws he's shot in a game. Eh, I guess he only shot uh, – headed up here. I can't see. He, he he shot seven free throws, which is probably the second or third most he shot all season. I was going to say, um, that had to be his most dunks of the year, too. Like, he was he was actually really going at the rim. I was surprised. It was the, the KP portion of the game. He left with an ankle injury. He'll probably be out, uh, you know, two weeks to six months. Lord knows that that guy. Oh, um, and, and he – but he really did look – that's the best he's looked since uh, uh, early April. They've had probably eight or nine game stretch where he just hasn't looked great. And he, he was really attacking on offense and doing okay on defense. Like most teams lately, and the, you saw this with the way the Lakers attacked him, they don't care that he's seven foot three. He wasn't really that much of an impediment in the lane. Yeah, no, I, w- I would say he is not. I mean, again, I don't, I, I think offensively, the Lakers, you know, I-, I don't know that they were much of an impediment around the rim as much as you talked about their defensive physicality. Like, that was kind of one of the issues for them in this game, too, sure. is that I-, I think AD and Drummond played like two guys who have not played together since high school. AD, and mm. like, like the chemistry was off, you know, like they were not, uh, like, those are two guys that they're so large that you would expect at least shots are getting really contested well around the rim and stuff like that when they're in the game. And, you know, to close that 
first half, the Mavs just got dunk after dunk after dunk, and it was just blown rotations, like just guys that were not on the same page yet. And I think that that'll get better, but it definitely is something to monitor, especially with kind of Drummond's reputation for, you know, he, uh, Lakers fans have kind of figured out pretty quickly that he is a guy that a lot often gets caught in no man's land where he doesn't Mm -hmm. contest the shot, but, you know, he's also not in a position to get the rebound. He's just kind of like, he wants to block it, realizes he can't get there, doesn't do anything, and then it's just like an automatically made basket. And then he, but he stuffs the stat box, get 14 points and 19 rebounds, including a ton of offensive boards. He was really a big part of of keeping things interesting, I think, yeah. in the in both the third and the fourth quarter. But he just takes away too. And it's very hard to explain that to, to people because Mavs fans desperately there's a, a segment of people who desperately wanted Drummond because they see and they see him play and he does when when he's on, he is really good. But yeah. when he gets kind of like like tonight, he just didn't really know what to do with Luca because Luca operates in kind of a different zone and and it's just I don't I don't really understand him because one thing that was very interesting to watch is he is I haven't seen him in a play in a while I didn't watch many games here I forgot how physically how much bigger he is than everyone else he like, is he's he a might, huge I he's, person I think he's one of the top five like heaviest players in the NBA in terms of listed weight I mean Boban's got to be up but he's probably number one so you guys have one of them on your roster but yeah yes. he's he's gigantic and he is shockingly mobile for someone his mm-hmm. size he's you you put it really well he's a little bit trick-or-treat in that you know he's either really really on or he is making mistakes that make Anthony tweet that he should be cut or be in the G League and things like that and you know like he has his moments and in fairness to him this is not the greatest matchup for him in terms of having to deal with Luke. like no one can deal with yeah. Luca. Frank was joking mm-hmm. before the game that the only defensive solution with Luca is to kidnap him and I think he's only like half kidding you know mm-hmm. like I'm not really sure beyond that that you have good options on him and so I do want to contextualize with that and like yes Drummond sure. was not excellent tonight but like you said him stuffing the stat sheet does help you keep in these games it's just there's always he always gives something to either side of the aisle on him in that like you know he'll he'll get a he'll stuff the stat sheet he has like a great game from a statistical perspective but then it's like you remember down the stretch the tip in that he tried to get when he could, probably could have just dunked it and then instead he like tried to slap it with his left hand he just makes yep. like it's almost JaVale like in how he has this like gift for making the wrong play in certain situations and, mm-hmm. and often hilariously so and you know I I am probably in the more pro Drummond camp. I really think that he's incredibly talented, and I think that he is a guy that is going to benefit an insane amount from LeBron coming back. But for right now, it's going to be really hit and miss, and we saw really both ends of that spectrum in this game. Yeah, and if he plays 15 minutes a game when like Marcus Soule's healthy and they're splitting time and they're doing different things, that's fine. I think he gets exposed a little bit. I mean, one of of my my favorite uh, Mavs friends, a guy named Kenny, was – why isn't why isn't Drummond out there at the start of the at the start of the fourth quarter? And he'd already played twenty three minutes. And you don't want a guy like that because when he gets tired, he can't. He's not useful. Yeah. And and it's it's he if he plays in small bursts against backup uh, front lines, he's he's going to be very interesting. For if he had been like if Dallas had gotten him, they would have expected 
25 to 30 minutes a game a night. And I just don't think he can do that. It's, well, he's, he, he was promised by the Lakers 25 to 30 minutes a game. Marcus Hall is out of the rotation as a result of Andre Drummond being brought into the team. That's like tre- what you saw tonight. If Marcus Hall was healthy. He's not uh, like he's not. In oh, the- I thought he was still the hamstring stuff. He has it, but and they've kind of used it as a crutch, but he was not listed as inactive tonight. And like he could have played, but they're trying to give Drummond time to acclimate. They're trying to get him adjusted into the system. I think that that's entirely fair to at least give him an like an equal opportunity to get caught up and see what he can do especially when the stars start to come back but yeah I mean mm-hmm. Drummond and Trez plus AD at the small as a small ball five when he starts to kind of get healthy again and play full games right. that that's the center rotation unless someone gets hurt and so I mean we'll see if Marcus Gasol gets in for some certain matchups but tonight is a night where it's like there were times where you know would Gasol help there but at the same time I don't think the Drummond was the problem tonight. I know that there are going to be some Lakers fans like <coughs> Anthony uh, mostly, but like I, he was not the issue tonight. I thought him and Schroeder really did a good job keeping them in this sure. game. And yeah, well, the the guy who really did also keep the Lakers in the game. There's there's one guy from each side that I felt was very important in keeping things close for the Lakers. It had to be Contavious Caldwell Pope, who was yes. absolutely on fire, six of twelve from distance. And then for the Mavericks, it was kind of do everything spark plug. Didn't have a great statistical line, but Dorian Finney-Smith was four or five from the field, including a late three, which sort of pulled things, you know, uh, really out for the Mavericks when when it looked like they were just trying to escape the Lakers because they kind of stopped playing offense the last four minutes of the game. And both those guys had really were 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 really fun to watch in very different ways. You know, Pope just watching him shoot it. it just like a stark difference to Tim Hardaway Jr. for the Mavericks who couldn't hit the broad side of the ball. Like, like he was just terrible. No, this was, this was playoff KCP. He was hunting shots. Like he is fun to watch when he is like this. And he really has started to turn around over the last couple games. Right. Right. Well, it was fun to watch because I, I, I'm glad they're not playing like a true back-to-back. I think the Lakers stay in in Dallas and then they go again Saturday night on ABC. So we'll, We'll look forward to that one again. It'll probably be a much more. Um, I, I, I'm I'm guessing it'll be less of a back and forth affair. Uh, this will be the third of three matchups. The Lakers have won one, and Dallas has won one. And you know, there there's this one could matter for tiebreakers if Dallas goes on a run, but they're not gonna. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, you just kind of teased the the second half of this pod because I do want to talk about that. I want to talk about the play-in and kind of some of the comments that both of these teams have made. And so let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back to talk about that. All right. So, I mean, you kind of mentioned this and I realize I'm taking the reins back from you as the host, but that's just what I did. That's what you do on a crossover episode. This Mm -hmm. is going to be a constant 30 minute long battle of the two of us for control of the conversation, just trying to alpha each other like Dennis Schroeder and Luke. No, no, no. The best play in basketball is a give and go. So this is what we got to do. <laughs> okay, good. This is a, th- That's a more collaborative way to view it. So we are setting each other up. But, I mean, you mentioned that you don't think that Dallas is going to go on a run. I am... I don't know how much of a run they need because I do wonder right now how much, uh, after watching AD tonight, I, I think it's going to take him at least a little time to kind of gel and get his legs back under him. And again, like, I, I don't think that he was horrible by any means in this game. He actually right. looked lighter on his feet defensively than I expected. But if it's going to take him a couple games to kind of ramp back up, start to get his minutes back, that throws a team off too. And we saw that in the first half where a lot of guys were like, 
they were slotted back into more natural roles, but it wasn't the roles they'd been playing for the last two weeks. And there's an adjustment period with that. And that's kind of led partially to them getting down in that first half. And so I do wonder if the Lakers are going to drop off here a little bit. And I think that this, this next Dallas game could end up being really important if Dallas does go on a run, because like you said, like it could be a tiebreaker at some point here, but potentially, you know, if Portland goes on a run, which I don't know that I really foresee, but like, let's just say that they do and they jump up mm-hmm. to fifth where the Lakers are right now. And Lakers and Mavs are six and seven, like this Saturday game could mean a lot for that. Yeah. It, it's pretty interesting when you look at sort of, Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's there's some wild happenstances going on, and just to, to talk about Portland, there's something there's something atrocious in non-clutch games. In clutch games, the only those are the only games they win. Uh, yeah. And then in cl- in non-clutch games, they've really they're they're really awful. And the clutch stuff has kind of started to regress to the mean a little bit. Where they lost a one-point game last night. They're struggling just a bit, so at the exact moment, Mavs are tied with them. Uh, so Mavs are still stuck in seventh because the Portland uh, Portland owns the tiebreaker. But uh, it, it's it's really just kind of interesting to see what what could happen with with these teams for Dallas in particular. The theory is, if you look at their lineup, they have the ability to go on a run. Now, I don't know if they have the wherewithal, simply because if you look at uh, the the TNT showed a stat tonight. I don't remember the exact numbers, but the Mavericks play are their four or five games over five hundred against teams with records above five hundred, and then against sub five hundred teams, the Mavericks lose a lot. So they play and up or down to their opponent, basically. Very much so. And they're, we're going to see that again. Uh, we've just seen it time and time again. They, they've just had all these opportunities to make runs. And they've been stuck in seven for a long time. And I, I it, it could go either way because, like, they play the Cavs a couple of times. They played Detroit again. You know, in theory, they play the Kings and the Warriors. But both those teams are still looking for that play-in spot. So it's just there's a lot of, of – Stuff on paper, it looks like Dallas should be able to take the sixth seed and hold on to it. I just don't know because they they're not they're still so top heavy with Luca and and if KP is injured, for example, with this this ankle thing, I just don't see them really seizing the moment because they've never done it all year. Yeah, I think I think look like I mean from for me from an outsider's perspective, looking at Dallas, like I, I do think that they are more talented than their record would indicate. And I feel like there's a lot of people that felt that way. There's a lot of people that you know I, I remember there were people, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there were like respected NBA people saying that they could be a top four seed this year. I know Luca was considered like an MVP front runner at one point during the offseason or at the very mm-hmm. least like a strong candidate. Like and he's still really good. He's not the problem. Uh, you know, like at least not their biggest problem. And right. But at the same time, like, like, yeah, I mean, they, you know, at some point you kind of have to do it. Like you can't just be, you know, on paper, they're better than this and whatever. Like this is a lesson I think I learned uh, like in my kind of basketball childhood growing up with like the 2012 Lakers. It was just, you kept waiting for them to flip that switch, flip that switch. And they kind of did at one point and then Kobe tore the Achilles and it all came crashing down like a house of cards but like this isn't the same thing obviously because they aren't like they weren't pegged as a super team in that same way but at some point you kind of have to either play to your level or you're not going to and you know maybe there is a little bit of that with them but uh, like you you were talking about the schedule I was looking at their schedule I was looking at the Lakers they're getting AD back they got to integrate him they got to get him learning how to play with Andre Drummond and then like LeBron's going to come back and look 
LeBron is still, you know, very easily like a top five, top three player in the league, maybe the best player in the league in like a game that you actually, you know, you need to win or the Martians have death beam pointed at us. Uh, first take, right. you know, theoretical thing. But like, you know, as much of a cyborg as he has been throughout his career, he may go through some of these same like, you know, they got to ease him back in. They need to make sure that he's healthy when the playoffs come around. And I just wonder if that many, many adjustments and becoming that many different teams during the season, I don't think that it's going to help their regular season record, certainly. And it could end up helping them in the playoffs because they can kind of right. they can learn how to play with a variety of different lineups. There could potentially be some versatility you learn from that. But I am you know, I don't know. I'm not like worried about them slipping into a play in spot because the math kind of favors them still at this point. They're still at least a couple games ahead of Dallas and Portland. I think two, if I, the last I checked, but like, so I'm not terrified of them slipping down, but I don't think that it's completely out of the realm of possibility. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot this week because like KCP called it the play in thing, whatever it was, you know, like Marquis right. Morris got insulted when a reporter asked a question phrased around the plan. He's like, no, 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 we're not going to be in that. And they're clearly, they've at least talked about that's not us. Like we don't think that we're dropping down to that like rinky dink play in thing. Luca and Mark Cuban came out and kind of like trashed the play in game. I'm just wondering like for you as someone who is, you know, who roots for a team, who covers a team that could avoid this thing, could end up in it. Like, how do you feel about the plan? Because I've wanted to talk about this with someone, and I know that you'll have strong opinions one way or I love it. I absolutely love it because, you know, how many times over the last X number of years you're covering team, you're running a website, you're working with your staff, and it's just so hard to get anybody to care. That is not the case right now. Everyone is engaged. Now, people are grumpy about it, because I think they like kind of wanted to most of all, mm -hmm. and but even fans to a degree, it's like I kind of want to take a little bit of a mental break. I don't want to have to watch all these games because we're gonna have to watch all these games through you know July or August, whenever the finals are. I can't remember, and and you know there's a little bit of whining in that regard. But the basketball has been fun. You're being engaged with more teams every night is interesting. You know, it's not just we're not just having like the same terrible MVP argument. Uh, you know, for for the next ten or twelve games, there's well, oh, we're hey, the do Pelicans. I will I will say we're going to do that too. There's been oh a, sure, but the it's MVP more. discussion has been as an aside. The MVP discussion has been exhausting and insufferable this year, even more so than like it was like five games in we kicked that thing off, and like people yeah. were ready to argue about like should LeBron or Joel Embiid or you know oh Jokic can't win it now, like they're too far down in the standings, like ten games in, like it's just like it's been all year long. Everyone has their horse in the race. Everyone is unwilling to even hear a case for anyone else. It's like it's like a Rorschach test. Like everyone has decided who their MVP is and what that picture looks like to them. And there's like no movement whatsoever. And it's just been people screaming at each other all year. But anyway, your your point on the plan. The plan just is something that I will find myself watching whether I want to or not. Yeah. Um, it'll be the sort of thing where if the Mavericks aren't playing – my wife will say, hey, let's let's watch something else. Let's watch something on the DVR, and I'll be looking at my phone. And then if we finish something and it's the second half and it's, I don't know, Golden State versus uh, San Antonio, I'm probably going to say, hey, we, we need to watch this because it's, it's that's that what the NBA marketing people want to hear. They're like, I will maybe watch this in the second half if it is close. That is how compelling it is to me. Well, I, I, Luca's argument is that single eliminate, <laughs> single elimination stuff stinks, according to Luca. But I, I, I don't know. For the viewer, it's was, awesome, though. Yeah, 
And yeah. that's what I'm here for. And and I'm really looking forward to to just seeing what happens because you know it, it it's made the season it's made me more interested in more teams is is what I'll say. Yeah, no, and I think it's led to it's led to a lot of the stuff like there's been, you know, for years you've been doing this for years. I've been on NBA Twitter and doing this for years too. Like every everyone has had the argument about tanking, how do we curb it? Curb it? Do we change mm-hmm. the lottery odds? Do we whatever? Like this has been kind of a tanking solution like there are a lot of teams that might be packing it in like everybody thought the kings for example were going to buy out yep. on white side and be like a seller at the deadline and in normal years maybe they would have packed it in and decided that that's what they were doing we'll just fire luke walton at the end of the year but this year it's like hey like we could talk ourselves into maybe we can get a play-in spot if a cup or like a playoff spot and we can break like the 19 year long playoff drought that we have or whatever it is and it's like i, I just think that it has been you know, as much as it would suck, I think for the Lakers to drop down to that because of injuries and whatever. And then like, you know, let's just say hypothetically, I don't think that this is going to happen, but one game it comes down to, and they're playing against the Blazers or they're playing against someone and that person just goes supernova for two games and they're out. Like that would suck, you know, for this team, it would suck for the organization, everyone involved in it, especially with how short the turnaround was, but for the viewing audience, for the storylines, for like how interesting and how high stakes games like tonight are as a result of the threat of that happening potentially down the line. Like, I think this is a massive win. And I, I, like, I just got to say, I've really enjoyed it. I like the point about tanking too, because if you think about them both in terms of like a, a, two different items that that work together in this because they 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 manipulated the lottery odds again to where they're a little flatter and so a team like let's just pick out the pistons or the Cavs, they're going to continue to play their guys and not jockey for for percentage positions in april and then may and that sort of stuff has to be of long-term value to the league because it means that you're you don't have a bunch of you don't have two months where nothing matters, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah. And and this is nice. And it it is exhausting, but, you know, this must be what it's like to be, a like, a baseball fan. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy with it overall, though. Yeah, well, between these two teams playing each other twice in two games and, you know, like, all of the, the condensed nature of the season and, you know, guys being in and out of the lineups all the time, this is probably the most that it's ever going to feel like to watch or cover baseball watching the NBA just because, oh. of, like, there are a lot of kind of, like, on-their-face similarities. Sure. Well, let me ask you a question while we're kind of talking about this sort of stuff. What do you think of these home-and-home home series, like these these back-to-back stuff? Because the NBA has tried to avoid them for years just for whatever reason, but I love these kind of, you know, where, where the, the Lakers play the Mavs twice in a row, or you go and you play the Kings twice in a row. Like there's just an added layer of chippiness. In the yeah, no, game. the Lakers, the Lakers did this during, against the Spurs, I believe. I think they did mm. a home and home against them. And then they also did the Rockets, like same thing earlier this year. And I like it. Like there's a little bit, again, obviously the coaches aren't like, you know, staying up all night and grinding mm. tape or whatever to adjust to, you know, like try and figure out and throw their playoff level solutions at whatever this opponent or whatever they learned from that first matchup like they would during the postseason but it like you said the chippiness stuff is real and especially right. now like you know all this comes together with this you know potential battle for seeding and something that matters down the line like I do think that we'll get a pretty good game on Saturday again there's also the possibility that the Mavs just come out and blow them out because the Lakers you know they potentially are kind of not playing with their lives on the line but playing with potentially their play-in lives on the line and yeah. if they don't win this game it's going to be really tough 
for them to avoid ending up in that spot if they don't have the tiebreaker versus either the Lakers or the or the Blazers. Like it's going to be really really tough for them to climb their way out of that. And Man. so like you know this, this Saturday should be I think a really really interesting game. I like see this this is where. You know, and, and and fans of Silver Screen and Roll are going to like this. I fully believe in Lakers exceptionalism. I went to college. <laughs> I went to college in, in Los Angeles. I went to Pepperdine 2002 to 2006, which was just peak post. You know, it, it's at the end of the three-peat era. It, you know, I still remember where I was standing when someone told me, Kobe's going for 60 against the Mavs. You need to go yeah. find the game. And I'm like, I don't want to go find that. I don't, I don't want to do this. So it's like, I've like the Lakers have haunted like, me. Yeah, your, for... your, your favorite team's getting absolutely destroyed. You just, you got to turn your TV on Kirk. Like you got to find a oh, TV yeah. to go watch it. Well, I always try to explain to younger fans, like you don't understand the sort of things that happened to me as a Mavs fan, particularly versus Shaq. Like if you go to basketball reference and look at like, <laughs> The 2002 Mavs, they have seven centers because they don't know how to guard Shaq. They played, they paid this dude named Evan Eschmeyer $36 million. That, for five, and it's like, I don't even know if that's a real person and I'm not going to look it up. I'm just, it, I'm the, taking your word just for incredible. It. So it's like, like the Lakers, you know, it, I'm one of the fans who will openly admit that it's like the Lakers have lived in my head on and off rent free for, you know, 20 years. So thank you for admitting like, that. Oh, they... I feel like, I feel like a lot of fans around the NBA could be happier if they would just kind of let that into their heart and just be honest that, yeah, you know, the okay. Lakers have, uh, the Lakers probably destroy your childhood. Like that's okay. Yes. You're mad. Your listeners are cutting this off. Like they're so pissed. Nah, they know. Right <laughs> they know. Any of the old heads, there was a game. Uh, I want to say I was at like 2001. The Lakers were losing to the Mavs in the Staples Center, or maybe it was I don't know. It was one of the, and and it was fourth quarter. The Lakers are are down by like 28, and you know, I'm, I remember it was with my mom. It was December ish. It was cold. We're like, yeah, the Mavs are gonna win one against the the Lakers. This is before Dirk was really dark, and then something happened where Kobe and Shaq went bananas and the Mavericks lost the 28 point lead in a single quarter. And it's like, things like that stick with you. <laughs> so long story short, you're expecting like Anthony Davis, 40 point game in 30 minutes or something like, uh, like that on Saturday. Like, oh, always. Just... Yeah. No, like, just, uh... <laughs> I loved, I, as an aside, I loved your, your just Twitter bit of like, you, you did the calculations early. You're like, oh, Anthony Davis is coming back in X amount of weeks, maybe. And whatever, like he is coming back against the maps. Like you called this, I think like so before mad. the Lakers doctors even knew that he was going to was... be back. You were tweeting like AD's coming back against the maps. I can feel it in my bones. Like this is what's happening. It was late March, and I'm like, this is garbage. He's been gone for six weeks. Of course he's going to come back in three weeks against the Mavs. Yeah. yeah I was real mad. Yeah, no, it was great. Oh, wow. uh, and so I, I'm I'm looking forward to Saturday's game. I'm I'm glad that we got to talk about kind of these two teams and the fascinating spot that they're in, though, because it, it is, you know, it, it's been a weird season. It's been it joyless in a lot of ways, but also – like at times the basketball has been better. It's been more competitive because of situations like this. And I'm hoping that kind of that maintains down the stretch. Although I'm also hoping that no one else gets hurt because uh, it's Me just too. been like a avalanche the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, this has been fun.
Yeah, no. So again, I'm Harrison Fagan. You can find all of my work over at Silver Screen Roll. This is the Silver Screen Roll podcast for those of you listening on this feed. That was Kirk Henderson, the editor-in-chief of Mavs Moneyball. You can find all of his work over there. And you've been doing some locker rooms and stuff, right? Like I still, I got to get on there, but I need to use my wife's iPhone. I don't have an iPhone. Ooh, yeah, I have been, and it, it's it's fun. You, you you get to talk with people. You end up like I've gotten some good story ideas. Like fans are the the you know fan bases are crazy, but you're supposed to be fanat fan is short for fanatic, and we we have fun talking talking shop over there. Yeah, and I had fun talking with you. I hope that your listeners enjoyed it. I hope that all of my listeners over at Silver Screen Roll enjoyed this. And uh, yeah, the Lakers and Mavs will be back on Saturday. And this has been the Silver Screen Roll Mavs Moneyball Crossover Podcast. We'll uh, talk to you guys later. Mm-hmm.